Hi, and welcome to our podcast. I'm your host, Howard Drukarsh. I've been a successful realtor in Canada's largest market, Toronto, for over 30 years. And in the latter part of my career, I co-founded Canada's largest independent brokerage, Right at Home Realty, with a roster of over 5,600 agents and growing. In 2020, I retired to start this podcast, and it's been a fascinating opportunity to meet interesting and very successful guests in real estate and in related fields. We find out about their careers and get their insight into our business. Today, we're delighted to have Kirsten Jordan, the most, uh, the only female member of Million Dollar Listing New York Bravo Show. And Kirsten, welcome to Toronto and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I, I've only spent a little bit of time in Canada, but I'm dying to go back as soon as it's a little bit easier for us Americans. Well, that'd be great. Yeah, when you do, let me know. So you have a phenomenal bio. And um, I don't want to miss any of it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through the details, okay? If you're okay with that, it's going to be very flattering. Sure. Okay. So um, you're, of course, a real estate broker. You also are a public speaker. As I mentioned, the first female cast member of Bravo's Million Dollar Listing in New York. Um, you've brokered over half a billion dollars in sales. Um, you, you've worked with Fortune 500 executives, Oscar-winning actors, mega influencers with millions of followers. Uh, you're also a passionate real estate investor, and you've sold out three new developments in the city for a total of $100 million in new development sales. Um, you know firsthand what it is to evaluate a property and to sell it, and that, of course, is the key to our business. In 2020, you were cast uh, on the Emmy-nominated Million Dollar Listing New York show, um, and you've been featured in every episode uh, in season nine. Um, you've also been a contestant on Family Feud, a guest on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. Uh, you're, you're considered an expert on, uh, and have been interviewed on countless TV segments, many of which I've seen on YouTube. Um, you've also been featured in CNBC, Variety, Bloomberg, New York Post, Yahoo Entertainment, Thrive Global, and The Real Deal. Um, you have a team now, and uh, you're, you're, you're bringing back a human experience, which is you know, it's the key to our business is, is being relatable to clients. Um, your team has more than 45 years of combined experience, over 3 billion sold. Um, and you have a very deep understanding, uh, of how to be a really good, uh, advisor to, to clients. Um, on a personal note, you're the mom of three school-aged children. Um, you love real estate. Um, you have 35,000 followers, um, and you have a book coming out. So from a personal uh, uh, point of view, the fact that you can have three small children and have a great career, <laughs> I mean, this is, Thank you. this is not an Thank easy you. business. And you have, now you have also a performing career, so good for you. So let me get right to the questions. Um, we're always interested when someone comes on the show, uh, you know, this is, real estate's an entrepreneurial business. Um, and so the question I have, first question I always like to ask is, were there entrepreneurs in your family? So that's such an interesting question because um, my brother actually went to school for entrepreneurship. Um, he went to Babson College, which is outside of Boston. And one of the reasons he went to Babson is because of the fact that my grandfather, who um, I think retired before I was born, um, he was in, he was an entrepreneur and he had a company that made circuit boards, um, back in the, you know, back in the seventies. And, um, so that was an entrepreneurial company. Um, he had a partner, they did, they did well and sold it, um, sold it. And that was a good time, you know, to sell that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
he had come from a family that were uh, Italian immigrants who had a grocery store actually in Kent, I think Canton, Massachusetts, um, and lived in like probably a 1200 square foot on a good day house with one bathroom. Um, and you know, he's, he's such an inspiration for me, um, because he's the most hardworking person I've ever met in my entire life. And what's so special about him is that he's a crier, like I'm a crier. Um, and so in, in like a very positive way. So whenever something exciting happens in my life and I call him up and tell him like how exciting it is, or if I, you know, if you give him a really special birthday present or, you know, that he's not expecting, or you, you know, show up for him in a special way, you know, like recently when I was living on his property during quarantine, he contact, he contracted, uh, babesiosis and Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was there and it was during a time during, it was during COVID. And, um, and so they wouldn't see him at the doctor because the fact that he was COVID negative and it was, it was really dangerous. Um, and so, you know, I stepped in and made sure that an ambulance came to get him and took him to the doctor and made sure that they figured out what was going on and really pushed as a health advocate, because there was nobody else around who could do that. Um, and he, you know, a couple of days later, you know, in gratitude was just thanking me for being so present. And, you know, he cried, I cried, we're just all, that's who we are. So we're really, really hard workers are really strong people, but we're also just always on the verge of just expressing gratitude really, really strongly. And so he's a huge, he's a huge inspiration for me. And he's still, he's 94 years old. He still plays tennis with everybody. He still mows his own lawn and he gives us all a run for our money cognitively because he asks the hardest questions of anybody else. Oh, that's such a great inspiration. I have a neighbor that's 89 years old. And uh, she, the other day she, we were talking, I joked with her. She said, you know, you know, Howard, you're a jerk, but you're a nice jerk. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I think living to 89 or into the 90s is, is the real reward. Okay. Everybody did something before real estate. I don't think people grew up and then went to real estate. So what about with you? Uh, can I call you KJ? Cause I know they do on your show. Sure. You can call me KJ. Everybody. That's what everybody calls me now. Now I know when people stop me on the street because of the show, cause they say, Hey, KJ, okay. can I get a picture with you, KJ? Okay. So KJ, and I like it too. Uh, what did you do before real estate? Before real estate, I actually moved to Italy. Um, for a couple of years. So I, after college, I moved to Chicago. I was in Chicago for a year. I did a bunch of odd jobs. I did everything from destination management, which is basically, you know, a glorified term for, you know, organization of the logistics before events, not the events themselves. I worked for a photographer. I worked in a, I, I worked as a barista. I did a bunch of different things, realized that I was ready to go to Europe and do something in another language because of the fact that the jobs I was getting were not really that exciting. And so I thought, if I'm going to do these jobs that are just kind of anybody could do them, why don't I do these jobs in another language? So I moved to Milan. Um, I sold everything I owned. I moved to Milan basically with a suitcase. And I was an au pair. And then I was um, I was a barista there as well. I, I taught business English. And then after about six months of living in Milan, I was able to get a job as an international sales manager for a for licensing for designs for greeting cards and wrapping paper. So I basically traveled around Europe and Eastern Europe selling um, licenses for like Santa Claus pictures and um, like bunnies and that kind of thing. Um, and so you can imagine the prices on the stuff is pretty low. So I think I was making 24,000 euros a year off the books, which was I was supposed to be really, really excited about at my, you know, young age of like 22 years old or 23. And 
I thought to myself at some point when I realized that I should probably get out of Europe and go home after being there for a couple of years, that I probably could go into a different kind of sales job and make more money um, and hustle just as much because I knew I was going to you know, hustle regardless because I knew I was going to be a hard worker. So when I came back to the US, I studied and got my real estate license. My stepfather was instrumental in suggesting real estate as the right sales, you know, the right sales path for me. Um, because he said, you need to start selling bigger ticket items. You're, you're meant for sales. Just go into sales. And that's how it all started. You know, I, I, I think the people who do well in sales, the, the motivation is the challenge. Uh, like there's a competition when you're in sales. And I, I really think you're doing it for your own um, uh, benefit to see how well you can do versus competing with anybody else. And that, I mean, that was what I enjoyed as well. Can I do as well as I did? Uh, but anyway, that you know, you've obviously done more than average in sales. So you and your grand and your grandfather uh, were right. This was, or your stepfather uh, were right. This was a perfect career for you. Now you're at Douglas Elliman, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, you, you when you joined, you joined a team. And um, you know, in our business, there's teams, there's no teams. Why did you join a team? Well, when I was at Compass, I was actually on a team. But when I Moved to Douglas Elliman, I actually started my own team. So I have my own team at Elliman. Oh, um, I'm the founder of the Kristen Jordan team, um, which is not a super original name. But when your name is a name that's on a television show, you kind of have to name your team after your name. Sure. Otherwise, it's a little too confusing for people. It's actually, we abbreviated as KJT, which is, you know, the KJ team, hmm. like my name on TV. Um, and the reason I started a team is because of the fact that I had been behind the scenes being on teams or being in a supporting role for 12 years. And I just thought at this point, I'm on a television show. I've been doing this for long enough. If I don't start my own team now, I'm literally never going to do that. And it's the best thing I've ever done. It's so much more rewarding than I ever could have imagined the business to be. You know, before it was the kind of thing where I was still listening to how other people wanted to do things and keeping my mouth shut and biting my lip about the kind of you know, ways I wanted to do business. Um, and then the other thing is, is that as a team member, I wasn't able to leverage my time. You know, it's really hard to have the kind of support that you need when you're on a team because of the fact that most teams are structured as the team members are the support for the, you know, for the, for the principal. And so, or the principals, if there's two. And, and what I wanted to do when I created my own team was to be able to have the agents be able to leverage their time so that they could be as productive as possible and that there would be a level of the administrative work being taken care of by other, you know, by, by staff that's on the team. Um, so that they're really able to focus on their business and we're able to get them to that next level. And then I also wanted to do that for myself because I knew that as soon as I got myself out of that rat race of having to do all the paperwork and, and being behind and all of the nitty gritty behind the scenes, which in Manhattan, and I know across the world in real estate, there's a lot of administrative paperwork. Um, that I would be able to get to the next level in my business. And so for me, one of, that was one of the main reasons I started a team. And then the other reason I started a team is because I actually wanted to pick the people I was working with and and watch them grow. And right now, you know, we're six months into the team. I have one of the team members has been here from day one and she's grown so much in the short time period that she's been on the team. And there have been moments when I think she probably thought, oh my God, why am I doing this? And I was like, oh my God, why do I have people on my team who are new? And it's been so rewarding. And so it's something that is is an unexpected part of the of the business that you have this you get really really excited about watching team members grow and seeing them really get to their next step in the business, being able to close leads that they could never close before, bring in their sphere of influence, 
help them nurture those and help them funnel through the sales process. You know, it's interesting. The, the admin side of your team is also terrific. I've had a couple of emails as we tried to set this up and um, just really, uh, I mean, they emulate what you're like. They're very uh, um, um, positive people, friendly people, uh, and, you know, they're clearly like you and they've learned from how you handle people. So uh, you got a good team on the admin side too. Uh, we all went through a pandemic um, and, you know, in Toronto, it, 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 you know, it brought developers into different ways of handling it. Um, so in, in your world, how did things change once the pandemic hit in uh, the Big Apple? Well, for us, you know, we were really prohibited from showing for uh, three months. So that was a big deal because we were, you know, it was under basically illegal for us to show apartments as brokers. So that was, that was really rough because there were situations where people needed to see apartments and they weren't able to see them with a broker. Um, there were all kinds of workarounds that I know a lot of agents did of, you know, having housekeepers showing apartments to people and stuff like that. Everybody tried to figure out ways to be able to continue to move deals forward. The other thing that happened was the market did go to a complete standstill. Um, and we really saw, you know, a really, really tough period of discounted sales, very few of them in par between until about September of 2020. It took, you know, from the opening, reopening of the city to real estate agents of June 22nd of 2020 until I would say a little bit into September of 2020 for the engines to really start going again. And then once they started going again, we haven't stopped since. And we've seen a record amount of luxury contracts signed that basically has just continued for the longest stretch we've ever seen in the history of record keeping at that price point. So it's been crazy and it's been really exciting. And it's a, it's the kind of thing that feels pretty sustainable considering that the buyers who are buying are really buying for real. And then there's also other factors that I continue to become aware of that sustain the reason why the, the buyer's market or the seller's market that we're slowly going into is going to sustain itself in New York City. So that's what we've seen and what we saw. I think that's what's exciting about being in the business. Um, when you have a history in the business, you, 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 first off, history in the business means you know how to survive. I mean, you know, there's ups, there's downs, exactly. and the people that don't know how to handle the downs don't survive. The ups are a bit easier, obviously. Uh, one of the things that have changed um, from when you start in the business is the um, importance of technology. So in your team, in the uh, KJT, what, what are the important tools that you and your, your colleagues use? As far as like the tools that we use for everything from like CRMs, that kind of a thing. Uh, do you find that you're using um, technology that makes your life easier than it was in the early days? Things more, not so much what it is, but how, how has it affected your, your work life? So when I was the assistant to a real estate agent, when I got into the business in 2008, um, there were no, or at least nobody was using them in my business. There were really no active you know, software that you were using for project management that were accessible to real estate agents. You know, that was the kind of thing that was probably being done at another level for maybe consultants at Bain, you know, for other kinds of industries. And I remember always trying to create checklists for myself that I would keep in one place so that I could remember for each listing exactly what had to be done because I was a sole support for this person who was doing a tremendous amount of business. And that was probably the biggest limitation to scaling and being able to be more effective as her assistant, because my brain didn't work like that. I didn't come from industries that were systematized. I came from like 
kind industries of basically odd jobs. And then I had been in a little bit of sales with very little sales experience. And so I didn't really understand how that worked. And, and that dovetails into what we use. We use monday.com right now as a project management system to be able to streamline checklists that have to do with listings and buyers. Um, that's something that you know we find to be pretty effective um, for making sure that we keep those checklists up to date. So I would say that's one thing that we use. The other thing that we do use is we do use WhatsApp, which is a, you know, to create chats for different listings um, and, and different buyers. And what I find with that process that really helps is that it's twofold. The first thing that's super important with that is that we are able to categorize and be able to put all of the photos and conversations regarding one client into one place. So that if, you know, I took a couple snapshots at the listing presentation and I want to refer back to them, I can go into that chat and see that they're already there and that I don't have to search on my phone for them. And then the other thing that's important is that when you're creating chats that are with also the client, then you're able to put another team member on that chat that's maybe operational or working from the office. And they're able to flag to you at the end of the day that your client maybe reached out and it's a text message that you might have missed because of the fact that you're out in the field showing all day. And that's something that we've used to our advantage. And I think for some people, they use Slack. Some people just use, you know, iMessage. For us, WhatsApp works. Um, but I think this idea of trying to be organized in these chat spaces is super important. And that's why, you know, all kinds of companies do this now. And I think that as brokers become more like mini companies, it's trying to streamline all the you know information that's flowing all the time. I think you're right. I think that, the, and I started in the business, uh, I like to joke about it, um, before cell phones. I mean, that's how far back. But the efficiencies are what have changed. Um, you know, in the early days, you, you would, at least in Toronto, the way it worked is you would go and inspect listings before you showed your client, you know, this one, that one. So you knew what, you know, what to eliminate. Now, uh, people email the clients the listings, the clients go check them out. And then they just ask you to show them the ones they like. So that's a real efficiency uh, booster. Sure. Um, moving on to, to things that have affected your career, what's the greatest advice anyone has ever given you? Um, you know, the, the, the number one thing that I think I took from my first mentor, who was the woman that was uh, the broker that I worked for for the first six years of my career, um, was that business creates business. And she wasn't super into networking. She wasn't super into any of this coaching stuff, which I love coaching, but she wasn't into that. She always felt that if you focused on the business, the business would take care of itself and you would have more business. And that if you're focusing on those connections that, you know, it would always work itself out. And whenever I'm having moments where I feel like I have a dry spot in my business, I focus on that and I go back and I reactivate deals. I reactivate clients. I focus on the business and I don't focus on just networking. I focus on the business itself. And I do find that that always generates the most revenue in a short time period. It's, you know, that's such simple, but great advice. Um, when I was managing uh, in real estate, I would tell people when they had dry spells, go to your warm contacts, go back to people yeah. you've served because they know you, they, they want you to be successful. And, and obviously you, you and the other, uh, your colleague figured it out. What's been your biggest success in real estate? I mean, you had lots. So, you know, if you had to pick one, um, well, my most exciting sale was a recent off-market transaction that I did at a building where I sold the I, I sold the apartment to the to the the sellers that just sold it for 3.6 million and they were that was in 2012 and they were 
able to just sell it for $10 million. And we sold it off market to a buyer who came to see it once and fell in love with it. And we were able to do this incredible deal. And it was significant upside for my sellers who, you know, were also in real estate investors. So it was extra special for them because of the fact that they were, they're now able to fold this gain into other properties. So did they name any of their kids after you or? <laughs> you would think that there would be a little bit more really? you know, that's, gratitude, that's, that's more we're, than... we're in the throes of the 1031 exchange right now. So right now we're all ye- screaming and yelling at each other because it's a buyer's, it's a seller's market right now and it's hard to get these opportunities. So it's something that we're really focusing yeah, on. Yeah, here too. I mean, the inventory levels are really low and, and you know, it creates a whole new craziness. Um, so let me move on to other successes, although that, 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 um, the challenge, we talked about your successes. What about the challenges? What's been your biggest challenge? And what do you feel you learned from it? Honestly, my biggest challenge, well, there's a lot of challenges, but I guess the biggest challenge that I have really had over the years was um, during my childbearing years was keeping in the business when things felt really, really bleak because of the fact that I wasn't adequately leveraging or outsourcing any of my business to other people. I was really kind of on my own um, as a broker, even though I was on teams when I was, you know, when I had very, very little, like little babies or when I was pregnant. And I think that what I learned from that is that it would have been better if I had actually just really hired somebody who was really going to take care of my business while I was on maternity leave or whatever we want to call it as real estate agents after we have kids. Cause there's no real maternity leave. I think that's the number one thing that was the hardest for me is that I, I, I don't think I did that right. And, uh, I would advise any mom that's for anybody who's going to be a mom to do it differently than I did it. Hmm. It's uh, but the beauty of the business is you can be a mom and you can be a real estate broker at the same time, like with technology, with cell phones, that, that gives a lot of women uh, a reason to think about it. Yes. It's seven days a week, but you know, first off, it's your own business and you, you don't give up being with kids at the most important ages. Right. I mean, that's, that's, exactly. that's super stuff. Uh, almost done because I know you got other appointments and you're busy and, and I promised it wouldn't be a long interview today. What projects are you working on now in New York City that you want to talk about? Well, we have um, a really exciting ground up new construction uh, building that we've been working on. It's a really special project in Gramercy, in, off of Gramercy Park. Um, it's on 23rd Street and um, it's new construction. They're, you know, affordable luxury. They're between, they're asking between 2.4 and $3 million. There are two bedrooms with home offices, beautiful Italian finishes, low monthlies. Um, and that's called Gramercy North. It's located at 139 East 23rd Street. So that's very exciting. Um, and then I have a really, really special building that's going to be coming to market in the East Village, which we're very, very excited about, um, which is called La Botanica. And it's across from the Botanical Gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a boutique building. We're going to be selling four units and they're extremely, extremely special. So we're excited. We're excited about that as well. So we have some new developments, which, um, which are going to be great because we're going into this interesting inventory market. Good for you and good for your team. Last questions. Last question. Um, so obviously the million dollar listing in New York ha- has to have had uh, an influence on how well you're known. What's the best part of being on that show? For me, the best part about being on the show was what I learned from being on the show, um, which, which some people would call it kind of like a glow up. But for me, it was really treating myself like talent a little bit more and realizing that when I'm in my best state, because of the fact that I've outsourced the things that I'm not good at and I've walked away from those things and I'm focusing on the part where I add the most value, that 
I'm giving the most and the best to my clients. And that's a service that I almost think about it as taking care of myself as a separate entity almost and making sure that I keep myself in a real peak state because of the fact that I am the talent. And that's something that I never used to do before. I always used to think of myself as kind of the last person, you know, that got priority. And when I've started to put myself as a priority, I don't think anybody's noticing it and thinking I'm such a crazy diva. It's really just that I'm able to give a better version of myself to my clients and they're able to get somebody else who's doing the part of the business that is the part that I'm not as good at, which is like booking the appointments perhaps, or doing some of the paperwork. So, so you got, you have, you have a real corporation because that's the key you've organized. You're, you're getting great press. You're, you're doing great projects. I don't know if it can get much better, but one thing's for sure. We've come to the end of the podcast. I know you have something coming up shortly. So Thank you. Kirsten Jordan, I want to thank you for being our guest and for squeezing this in. Um, you know, I, I, like many people, love watching you on, on television. Um, I think because I've been in the business so long, I relate to the ups and downs and things that people not in the business say, that can't be true. Oh, yeah, it's true. So, um, again, <laughs> thanks for being with us. All the best with your projects, and maybe we'll connect again someday. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Howard. Thank you. Okay, bye for now. Bye. We'd like to thank Kirsten Jordan and you for joining us today. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please like, comment, and subscribe on your favorite podcast network or on our YouTube channel. And to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email at info at rewithhd.com or on our website, rewithhd.com. Thank you. We'll see you next time.